Welcome to Digging Deeper, a podcast of Perimeter Church in Atlanta, Georgia, hosted by me, Jeff Norris, along with my co-host, Laura Story Elvington. This podcast aims to equip you to follow Jesus by digging deeper into the teachings and topics of the Bible, the culture at large, and life in general. We're excited that you've joined us as we explore the treasures of God's Word and apply its teachings to our lives as followers of Christ. In this season, we're digging deeper into our series, Love Rules, a study through the Ten Commandments and their relevance to us today. So throughout this season, we'll feature many exciting guests who will help us sort through what Scripture has to say and how it impacts how we are to live as citizens of the Kingdom of God. We're so glad you joined us. Now let's jump into today's discussion. We are so glad that you have uh, tuned in with us again for episode three of our Digging Deeper series as we uh, walk through the the Ten Commandments and and do exactly what the title says. We dig deeper into each one, trying to glean more and more from from not only the commandments, but really about our God and what He Mm -hmm. has designed for us. And so, as always, I'm joined by uh, or with Laura, and today... Oh my goodness, we have a great guest that I can't wait for you to hear from, Kelly Capic. Kelly has become a good friend um, and uh, a guy that I just look up to tremendously. Kelly, thanks for joining us. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do? Where do you live? What do you? What does the Lord have you up to? Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, it's a delight to be with you. Uh, they, listeners who are not watching were wondering. Will, will this voice be male or female? Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I uh, teach at a place called Covenant College. It's actually the PCA's uh, denominational college on Lookout Mountain, Georgia, right between Georgia and Tennessee, above Chattanooga, Tennessee. I've been teaching here since 2001. Um, my wife and I got married in 1993. Just celebrated 30 years of marriage. And, awesome. Um, yeah, I get to pour into college students on a regular basis, which is wonderful. Yeah, it's awesome. So good, so good. And you've written a number of books. In fact, here I'm going to do something real quick just to just embarrass you. I'm going to um, uh, – you've written a lot of great books. I wish I could say I've read all of them, but I have read many of them. You're kind. Um, and so I'll just mention a few. Communion with God, God So Loved He Gave, one of my favorites, tremendous mm-hmm. book written back in 2010. Uh, Becoming Whole, um, which I just – okay, that's one I haven't read, Kelly, but someone mm-hmm. just literally maybe – three days ago from recording this said, I'm reading it. You've got to read it. It's fantastic. Um, oh, kind. The God Who Gives. Um, and then a couple others I'll mention, the last one being the one that we kind of want to tap into in our conversation today, but Embodied Hope. Mm. And then You're Only Human. And we actually have You're Only Human sitting right here. I'm going to probably at some point read a, a quote or two from that. Uh, and it ties into the You're Only Human um, thesis, if you will, of what you write about in here, uh, ties into, in, in some ways, uh, with the fourth commandment, which is what we mm-hmm. want to uh, talk about, and, and God's sure. design for humans and uh, for our flourishing under his rule and reign uh, yeah. to Sabbath, to have a Sabbath. So I'm mm-hmm. going to do something real quick. I'm going to read the actual commandment. Mm. It's a bit longer than people might think. You know, they may say, well, okay, yeah. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. That's the part we remember. Right. Um, But let me read the rest. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall uh, not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, 
your livestock, or the uh, sojourner who is with you in your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Mm. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Okay, so we're going to come back specifically to mm. that command. But mm. even, So I zoomed in, but I want to zoom out again, and then we'll zoom back sure. in, okay? I want to yep. zoom out to just uh, ask you this question, Kelly. Yeah. The Ten Commandments as a whole, um, the first commandment, really everything falls underneath that. Mm. There should be no other gods before me. In other words, common vernacular, we may say, um, keep God first. Um, how is that to our benefit? What, what is it that God is really trying to establish for us, for human flourishing uh, in the the first commandment, but then how all the others flow from that? Yeah, th th those are great questions, and I love that how you guys are trying to uh, approach this. I think one of the, you know, since we're stepping back, it is interesting to be reminded, because I know I need to be reminded of this. Like, God doesn't just think, I really want to come up with some creative rules to see if people will follow them. You know <laughs> what I mean? Great. Yeah. Like I just, and, but sometimes that's how we treat it. Whether we're mm -hmm. talking about, you know, in the garden or Leviticus, something like God just likes to make rules, not because they correspond to anything, but just, he wants to see if we're going to obey him or not. Yeah. And the rule could be something wicked or good. He just arbitrarily decides. Right. Um, and when that's the case, it makes obedience. It makes faithfulness very difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the commandments really have to be grounded both in God's character and then the goodness of how he made the world. And, and in, a, in a sense, the commandments are just a reminder of, of reality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the Ten Commandments are just, this is actually who God is and how the world works. We can go against them, but it hurts us. It hurts you know, the Hebrew of shalom. It hurts mm. the peace that we are meant to have with God, neighbor, and the rest of creation. Mm. And so... I do think it's interesting, you know, we start with, you know, you know, know their gods, but given that the commandments, these commandments are given to us after the fall, it is interesting, you know, I'm, I'm sure like when you guys have talked about this, we often in our circles call it a prelude where God delivered out of Egypt, mm -hmm. but in Jewish settings and other settings, sometimes that's actually considered part of the first commandment. Hmm. Because that is the indicator in this fallen world of who this God is. Hmm. So it's not just he's God, but and this is the kind of God he is. And so it's worth listening to him and following him. Mm. That's good. That's great. Yeah. And, and even uh, just to skip more into your the book, You're Only Human, I'm assuming that a lot of what you're talking about here kind of really comes from that first commandment of mm. when we recognize that God is God, he is creator, mm. then we need to recognize mm. something about ourselves as yeah. well. Mm. Yeah, exactly. That um, in our confession that God is God, we're also confessing that we are humans. Um, and our churches, well, actually not a lot of churches, but in our tradition, in the Reformed tradition, for example, we regularly do a confession of sin, which is really important. Mm. But part of our confession, whether we're reciting the Nicene Creed or these other statements, is this reminder that God is God, we are sinners, but but assumed and thus easily forgotten is the fact we're actually humans, hmm. and we were made good. 
And sin is not what's most true about us. What's most true about us is that we were made good by God. Hmm. And the reason sin's a problem is because that's not good. And so it, it messes us up and his world. Mm-hmm. So are, the, are our limitations, are they the product of sin? Or yeah, are our limitations good, yeah. how God made us? That's a good question. I, it, part of what I'm trying to argue, obviously, in the book is we confuse limits and sin all the time. Yeah. Mm. And limits are part of the good way God made us. And so, you know, the fancy word there is finitude, but that just means limits, limited in time, space, knowledge, power. And we sometimes, you know, just to put it very clearly, I think we feel guilty that we're not being able to do more, that we don't know more, like we should always read more and we should Mm. be more active in these things. And we should get our kids to more activities. <laughs> There's always more, and part of that, and, and in Christian circles, then we baptize that, and so we, we think the fact that we're not doing these things or being these, play, you know, being these kind of people, it must be sin, hmm. when actually some of it's just God made you and I to have bodies, to be in particular places, to have limits, to have backgrounds. Hmm. So I'm trying to help us untangle sin infinitude or sin and limits. Oh, yeah, that's good. you were with us. Uh, gosh, when were you with our staff? Two months ago or something like that? I can't remember. I don't. Yeah, something like uh, it's a blur. Isn't it? Yeah, it's a blur. But man, it was so good. Uh, you spent mm-hmm. the day with our staff and yeah, uh, teaching on some of these these really helpful mm. frameworks that you give about finitude mm. and embracing our limits. Mm. And how uh, embracing our limits is not the same as embracing our sin Mm. uh, in many ways. I'm going to read this one little quote here um, from the book. It says, we also tend to mistake our natural human limits as faults we must overcome. But when our search for identity in Christ includes a healthy view of creaturely finitude and particularity, then we see something truly beautiful and unique take shape. The church starts to look like it was meant to look. Diverse, united, gracious, and most of all, loving, mm. all in and around Christ. Mm. Um, I love that, and it, it, what kind of what you're talking about here. And so here's the question of, um, as we move into talking specifically about this fourth commandment, uh, what's God's design, given that we are human, and we never want to be okay with sin, but helping right. helping to have discernment between what is sinful and what is just part of being human and being mm. limited and not not uh, being finite creatures and not infinite. Right. Um, what's God's des- design for the Sabbath? How is he helping us? Mm. How is the Sabbath helping us in that endeavor? Yeah, yeah this, I, I think the Sabbath is so wonderfully countercultural. Um, when we sometimes talk about it, it's just like, we know we're supposed to talk about the Sabbath, so let's do it. But it's kind of like grinding <laughs> Get it over with. Like, yeah. You know, I got to go to the dentist, so let's do it. Yeah. Um, so let's let's kind of approach this in a slightly different way and then make sure I, I, I land it <laughs> in the place you, you want the plane landed. But it, 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 even hearing you talk about it and thinking about, the, you know, um, God making this Sabbath. Um, I was speaking to a group of high school students um, this summer. And kind of presenting some of these very things, right? And at the end, there was time of Q&A. And it was great. I, you know, high schoolers are, are great. They're willing to ask questions. And, you know, hands went up. And I could tell that this one kid, he was, well, I couldn't tell at first until he started to ask. And he said, I got three questions. I'm like, what? Okay. <laughs> so he's the first one. And immediately I could tell he was really wrestling and he thought he had me. And it was great, right? So he said, question number one, does God have limits? 
And I'm like, oh, don't ask a theologian. Things are like, he can't sin, but that's not really a limit. So I know, I know your answer is no, God doesn't have limits. He said, good. He said, question two, are we made in God's image? And I said, yes. And then he said, then three, why are you saying that we have limits? Hmm. Now, and then he said, show me a verse, hmm. right? Hmm. And it was so wonderful that he's really into, re- willing to wrestle with this. So I'm, I'm trying to channel and be as nice as possible to eventually kind of say in as nice a way as possible, it's not one verse, it's every it's verse. all of yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's the fact that you're not God. But he's still young, he's got energy, and to be told he can't do everything, yeah. he's not responsible, it actually was offensive to him. Yeah. Hmm. Right? And so I do think even the Sabbath's like, God rest, and it's so important for us to always remember the Sabbath is not just rest, it's entering into God's rest. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, yep. So anyways, I, I think that's a fascinating, it, it can betray misunderstanding of who God is that relates to misunderstanding what we're supposed to be like as well. Mm-hmm. Well, can you, can you tell us a little more, more about that? So what would be the difference in resting and entering into God's rest? Yeah, the, um, that's great. Because... What seems to happen, like in the Genesis narrative, is God day after day, he's delight he's like making it and he's delighting it. He's interconnecting, you know, literarily, he's you know, he's he creates a space and then later he'll fill that space, mm-hmm. right? The sky and then the birds, you know, and the fish and this kind of thing. But what seems to be the case is then after doing that work, he needs a day, whatever a day is, to just say, I love it. Right, mm. kind of this mm. Jewish idea of satisfaction mm. that you you actually need to delight, and um, you think about this all the time. Where it's fascinating, people talk about striving, whether it's to get a particular job or you know a Grammy. We were talking about this earlier, Laura, you know, or whatever. <laughs> I you, love you, that you, you just said that. That's good. <laughs> we 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 do these things, and one of I, I can't remember who originally said this, but. The only wor- the only thing worse than not getting what you want is getting what you want. Hmm. Hmm. Because when you get what you want and then you're like, oh wait, that's it. Yeah. And I, I because part of it is we struggle to delight in what what God has given, what hmm. He has provided. Hmm. You actually need rhythm of work and rest, work and delight and satisfaction. So, anyways, and and I think entering into his satisfaction is seeing the world and him. As he's to be seen, as he sees himself, hmm. something like that. Go ahead. Well, so it sounds like such an easy thing. You just rest <laughs> on the Sabbath. What are the things that push back on this idea of resting? Whether it's uh, maybe misconceptions about ourself, or maybe mm. misconceptions about you know, are those rules really applicable hmm. today? Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and coupled with that, Kelly, I mean, yes. I want to hear that, but I also want to hear your thoughts on how are we how are we missing it as a church, yeah. as, mm-hmm. as a Christian people? What are we just not getting? So how are we about missing it? How are we and why it? are we missing and why, it? Yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, part of it is we we really do struggle with rest. I think, or at least a lot mm-hmm. of us do. Um, and I think even culturally, we're confused. You know, what's rest? Maybe we've completely now entertainment has subsumed the whole idea of rest. Um, and so I just think that that's very difficult. And in Christian circles, 
when we're not working, we think we're not redeeming the time or something. Mm. We think we're not using yeah. our time well. We're not honoring God. Mm. So, you know, the example I use sometimes is it, just as a sign of how the church, we, you know, we're, we've created some issues is I teach at a Christian college. I have students from all kinds of different denominations. And a lot of the students will tell you if they don't study on Sunday, they feel guilty. Hmm. They're being lazy. They're not keeping up. Now, some of it's just we give them so much work, and I understand. But that, like, spiritually, what's going on where if they rest, if they say, I'm not going to do homework on Sunday, I'm going to go to church, I'm going to have a feast with friends, I'm going to take a nap, I'm going to take a walk in nature, hmm. I'm going to do that, they actually feel guilty and feel guilty before God. To me, that's a great sign of us needing to go... Wait, what, what's happened here? Yeah. In what way, you know, it's not in Proverbs, it's Ben Franklin who said time is money, but we kind of <laughs> baptized that. Yeah. And we're not, yeah. it's not necessarily we're looking for money, but we really think you got to use every minute to be productive mm -hmm. and every minute should be efficient. And part of what God is saying to us on the Sabbath is you're, you're not going to be able to worship if you're not resting. Mm. You're, you're going to destroy all the goodness that I've made. And I delight in what I've made. I need you to enter into that, right? Because mm. that's delighting in me. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. And it's it's mirroring God, right, and what he did. Yeah. 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 So I, I want to go back to something. When you shared that about the high school student who was asking you the three questions, mm. um, something popped in my mind that may end up being a really just horrible question, and we can cut it if it is. It's like Lauren Jeff, that, and I will that's, tell you. you know. <laughs> we'll, um, we'll let you know, Jeff. Yeah, let me know. Um, so we, we have lived in a culture for a long time that has told kids you can do, you can do and be whatever you want. Yeah. Right. And, and that can get applied in a lot of different ways, but the, the classic way that it was being shared and told was to say, look, whatever you think you can be professionally, whatever, if you put your mind to it and if you dream, you know, it's the Disney moniker, yeah. you know, whatever you dream about, you can be, mm -hmm. um, but yet. Is there something about the finitude of who we are and embracing our limits that would be a contrary message that is actually a good message for us to say, hey, it, you know, I can't be anything and everything I might set my mind to. And yeah. that's okay. That's a, that's yeah. a good thing. And that's actually something that I should rejoice in. Yeah. What, what, do you, what would you say to that? Yeah, I think, I, think it's, I think there's actually a lot of good to that. It's fascinating. You just even just take people, not just throughout history, but around the world to this day. Like even take England. People are like England's basically America, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I, we would, my wife and I, when we lived there for three years, we would regularly hear British people say like, one of the fundamental differences is you guys tell your kids you can be anything, you can do everything. We would never say that. Hmm. That's stupid, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> and that sounds offensive to us as Americans because that's so deep in us, yeah. right? But I don't think we understand also how cultural that is. Hmm. That it is a, there, there is a lot of mythology built around that. Hmm. That mm -hmm. we celebrate the stories often selectively told of people who achieve these amazing things and da, da, da. But we ignore any of the damage hmm. and the dead bodies in the wake of oh, it. Oh, that's yeah. so good. Right? And so... I mean, another just a practical thing, and this is, I'm not trying to say that this is all up to this particular point. It's a far more complicated, but 
people are getting married later and later and later. And marriage rates, even in America, are going down. But now, you know, the average rate uh, age, I think last I checked, is like 28 or something. That's not, that's not bad, but, but it's older. But one of, the, one of the reasons seems to be, there's a sociologist at one of the universities in Dallas who's done a bunch of work on this. But part of it is, say 50 years ago, the idea was marriage is what you did as a foundation, and then you like hmm. got the job, and you yeah. did this, you know, and maybe eventually get a house and that kind of thing. It was that first but milestone. it's foundational, yeah. right? And now marriage is the pinnacle. Hmm. So the idea is you should get a get a really good job. You should start being really financially successful. You should mm-hmm. travel the world. You should do all of these kind of things. Hmm. Well, the reason why I'm even bringing that up is. It's this narrative in our minds that's often not very realistic and crushes people. Mm. Because you think, to limit myself with a human being, that's not life, that's death, right? That's, that's a terrible thing. That, let, I'll do that later because there's so many other things I should do. Yeah. And I just this morning, I you know, was talking with someone in, uh, from out of state and, and uh, their adult child it all checked into a suicidal, it was having suicidal ideations and it was a loneliness, yeah. right? So I'm not, I'm not saying it's all linked, but there, it's just, it's an example of when what sounds great, like you should be able to do all of these things. Yeah. Unlimited possibilities mm. has problems to it. Yeah. Well, and you, I see it even with my, you know, my kids are, you know, my oldest is, is about to turn 11. Yeah. And, at that age, there are kids struggling with anxiety. Totally. And, uh, <laughs> and you wonder if this idea of getting to be everything and do everything, if it's actually um, more crushing than liberating. Mm. And well, knowing everything. Oh, yeah. absolutely. I think we know so much because we have information constantly at our fingertips. Mm-hmm. Constantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, you know... I, this is not biblical either, but I think there's a lot of truth in this saying, ignorance is bliss. You know, there was yeah. there was a lot more <laughs> happiness when, when it took when it took two weeks for world news to reach to our doorstep. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Um, and it wasn't just constantly being fed to us with notifications and mm-hmm. everything else through our news apps. Um, it, yeah. there's you know, we we the unlimited nature of information, mm-hmm. of all you know, what you're saying, Laura, is I just think about, I'm over here thinking about how for year, for, for centuries and millennia before, for the most part, humans stayed in one area of the world their oh, entire yeah. lives, mm-hmm. working in one uh, uh, familial, passed down through the generations yep. uh, trade, yep. right? And that was life. And there was great, for the Christian in that context, it was great joy, for the most part, there's always exceptions, yeah. but in yeah, general, there was great there, joy. There's challenges in that society. Like in the medieval, there's interesting studies on like the average person didn't travel more than like 30 miles in their whole life. Right. And they knew wow. like up to 100 to 120 people, something like that. Yeah. Like yeah. That, that's very wild, right? Yeah. The, ne- the potential negative is you may have, God have, may have given you gifts, but they don't fit the narrative mm-hmm. of where you're in. So there are yeah. some problems with it, but it is so different. And now we've gone so far to another extreme. I mean, even when you were talking, Jeff, I was thinking about this kind of silly example, but my wife and I talk about this all the time. So again, when we were living overseas, we'd occasionally come back 
to be with family like at Christmas or something. But because things were cheaper here, we'd go to the we'd inevitably go to the grocery store to get some stuff to take back. And I'll never forget, you know, one of these Christmases, we've been living overseas a couple of years, and my wife and I kind of spread out and she said, Go get floss. Right? So I went to the floss aisle. And I got stuck and she came like five minutes later. She's like, what are you still doing? And I said, I'm just overwhelmed by all the options. Yes. And she was annoyed. And then she started looking. And like three minutes later, we left with no floss. <laughs> it's too much. There were so many options. And that's a perfect example where I don't think we realize how culturally that that endless possibilities yeah, and yeah. we're stuck aren't always your friend yeah. right yeah and i yeah I, I hear you so so loud on that one but because and i don't want to be, be misunderstood to say hey back in the middle ages and whatever uh man if we could just go back to that no 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 right that was, right right every life has always been broken since genesis right. 3 right i mean yeah. it, it's broken it's hard it's difficult the curse is real right yeah. It, yeah. and so there's no greater time than mm -hmm. this or what, you know, all that. Mess. Right. So, but what I'm saying is, what is it about what feels like the ways in which we're trying to present life with unlimited options yeah. is actually working against the way God designed us to embrace the limit, the limited yeah. ways in which we exist so that we, so that we do what? So yeah. that we depend on him, yeah. so that we see our need for him. And so that we, to bring it back to this fourth commandment, so that we realize Hey, he actually orchestrated into the fabric of life the need to rest, mm. right? And even this limitless God who doesn't need to rest, rested. So what yeah. does that mean for me as a very limited creature? So, yeah. Well, yeah. Let me ask Good. you this. Uh, so Sabbath, um, you know, you, there's different paradigms people think through as far as how we as believers are supposed to engage mm. culture. You know, there's, I think it was planning that talks about, you know, are we supposed to be completely separate? Are we supposed to mm. be completely assimilated to, but, and, right. and he presents this third idea of engaging with culture. I mean, the biblical mm. idea of being in the world, but not of it. Mm -hmm. How would you apply that to the Sabbath? You know, right. I, I know some people, you, you mentioned being at a, a Christian school, different denominations. I remember I was at a Bible college where someone came from a denomination that they didn't use their oven on Sunday. Yeah, sure. Uh, but we do live in this world where there are a lot of things going on, whether it's sports, yeah. all of mm -hmm. this. Do you have any pointers for us as humans, but even also as parents, mm -hmm. as we're trying to navigate uh, all the different things that are happening on Sunday? but still in, instilling in our children this view um, that God teaches us of the Sabbath. Mm. Yeah, that's great. Um, well, I get to get off this podcast in a few minutes, and I don't live there, so I can say whatever. There right? you go, man. Let it <laughs> yeah, rip. That's why we're asking, man. <laughs> so, so it's very interesting. Like, I, 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 I'm not going to get into it, and you're not asking this. Rules and regulations, I think, always go sideways. It's, it's very interesting when I— will speak in an environment that's been very strongly Sabbatarian, and we start talking about Sabbath, you can tell the average congregation member is like, oh, please no, mm. right? Because they're just wait. because the Sabbath isn't joyful. It isn't good. It's just mm. a list of rules of do's and don'ts. Mm. But when you go in other evangelical circles who know it's in the Bible but never thought it applied, there's only nine commandments, and you start to say, no, they're really, you should have a day of rest. Like, this is God's way of saying, the world doesn't depend on you. Hmm. Praise, praise me for it, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, then all of a sudden, it becomes very, uh, very good and promising. 
But the, the more controversial thing, as I was listening to you ask, I, and this was someone else who said this in, in Dallas, and, and, um, but I agreed with it. It was fascinating. He was saying, he'd written a book on discipleship, and he said, kind of, he was asked, um, maybe it was Colin Hansen who asked him, but he said, what, what is more damaging to Christian youth right now? Critical theory or sports on Sunday, mm-hmm. <laughs> organized sports on Sunday. Yeah. And you can imagine, like in the Southeast, this is going to, like, people are going to go crazy yeah. over this. Yes. Yeah. So I'm not at your church. I can say that. But I, if you ask me that painful question, honestly, I would say kids are being catechized in our circles by not coming to church mm. on mm. a very regular basis mm. because whether we like it or not, and I love football. I watch football on Sunday. I'm not, I'm not trying to be legalistic. I'm just saying there are ways that we communicate certain things. Sure. So this isn't about a bunch of do's and don'ts, but I would say at a basis of Sabbath is we enter into God's rest. And yeah. biblically, the primary way we enter in is with God's people. Mm. Um, so what I think that starts as the basis. And then, you know, I, I think we have to navigate it with wisdom and, and community. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I sometimes say, you know, landscapers, they probably shouldn't work in their yard on Sunday because this is because it's work for them. But I'm, I'm a professor. And for me to have my hands in the dirt is a great mm-hmm. gift. Yeah, yeah. It's so healing. So I'm not interested in rules, but I do think like corporate worship has just got to be central to this whole thing. Yeah. Because otherwise, it just becomes something else than biblical rest. Yeah, that's good. It recenters us in, in the ways yeah. that we need to be recentered. Hey, you know, coincidentally, I also went to a Bible college, University of Alabama. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, we don't play football there on Sundays, so we're, you know, we're resting well that's, there. Gonna, yes, you know. Um, Any, anyone who's people. upset about the rec league so, uh, sports comments, t- take it up with Jeff. It's he, you know. Yeah, and look, when you come to me, I'll say, "Look, Kelly's the one that said it, not me." But I, and then I'll That's whisper fine. very quietly. But I do agree with Kelly. Yeah. No, um, no, it is. You know, we live that life, man. I mean, we our kids are super. It's involved so hard. And, I get it. Yeah. yeah. But it. But I feel often, and we wrestle. We Rachel and I wrestle with our our own convictions, um, and we've been very it's upfront so with our kids. We we've told them, look. You know, you may be really upset with us, but church worshiping with God's people mm-hmm. on the Sabbath is is priority, and mm-hmm. um, and it's hard. I talk to a lot of parents, mm-hmm. uh, especially dads in our church, yeah. who uh, you know, our world with my daughters, my son's in college. He was not into sports anyway. He's a hunter, right. hunter, fisherman, that kind of guy. Uh, so it was never a battle with him. But our girls are into uh, competitive cheer and lacrosse and those kind of things. Sure. And our issues aren't so much games and stuff on Sundays, but it's practices, practices mm. on Sundays. Right. And um, there have been several times where we've just let the coaches know, hey, look, you know, she won't yeah. be there on Sunday. And and uh, there's a bit of an embarrassment for our daughters on that. They're sure. like, oh, you know, but it's like it is what it is. And we're going to commit to this. Yeah. And but it, but one of the things we wrestle with, here's a question I want to ask you, Kelly, is um, what help us understand what we're, what, if we're going to honor the Sabbath, what do we do? What does it actually look like? Is it, does it just mean going to church? Mm. Is like, have I honored the Sabbath if I just go to church and then the rest of the day is just whatever, however I want to spend it, you know, 
or is there more to it than that? What does rest look like? You mm. know, is it going to church and then going home and sleeping the rest of the day? Like, what what is yeah. it? What yeah. what do we do? <laughs> uh, and I know. Listen, what I'm not asking for, because I'm with yeah. you on this, I'm not asking for, hey, give us rules and do's and don'ts. Right, right, right. But give us more. Maybe goals. it is. It is very hard, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I, yeah. It, yeah. It's. Um, the reason why I, I, the appropriate reason why I think we're hesitant to give rules, I mean, the Bible, the Bible does say interesting things about this, right? So, um, because it is a day of rest, but that rest includes worship, but it also will talk about caring for those who are materially in need. Right. Right. And if you see an ox in a ditch, you should, you should care about it. Right. If you need to take your animal to the vet or whatever. So, um, and kind of as Laura was saying, it's pretty hard to think through how to do this honoring of God and rest in the world we live in right now. Yeah. Right. I remember, um, what was the vice president? Uh, why can't I think of his name all of a sudden? Who was a Sabbath keeping, um, Joe Lieberman. Mm-hmm. Lieberman. Yeah. 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 Not, not vice president, but Joe Lieberman. So Lieberman was a Sabbath keeping, but occasionally he'd have to go to Congress for a Sunday vote. And so he would have his assistant come, because he had to ride the, the rail, and the assistant would swipe the card so he could get through. Wow. And you're like, <laughs> you know, so there's something honorable about what he's trying to do. Yeah. But you can tell, like, how does this work, right? Yeah. Can you get, so... Are you um, bound by what you've set in place to, quote, unquote, honor the Sabbath, right? right. Like, it becomes, it becomes, it becomes legalistic in many mm-hmm. ways, right? Right. Yeah. And that's, I just think, the constant temptation... And so I do think it it depends. You know, I know nurses who, for them to get to church, it's a huge, given their schedules, it's yeah. this huge thing. And then maybe they actually should just sleep the rest of the day. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. And, and they're, yeah. you know, so I think for a lot of us, it's what a great time to reconnect with, with God and family and neighbor. Mm-hmm. You know, people are feeling like I'm not spending enough time with my kids pour yourself into that. Just be mm. present. That doesn't mean like you have to stare at them the whole time, but it's like just being together um, in a different kind of way. And and in, in some ways, talking about God's goodness in the delight. Like yeah. not just talking about God's goodness at work or at church, but like take them out for a hike and be like, isn't this amazing? This mm. is what God did, mm-hmm. right? Building a Lego set. Look what, isn't this what, you know, this kind of thing. So I do think there is a heightened sense that trains us for the rest of the week of just looking for God because he's always there. But it's when we're at a slower pace, we're a little bit more able to recognize and and give voice to. That's so so good because I think about, I have little kids Mm. and Sundays are not very restful. Yeah. There are not moments where, when they're awake Mm. that are, that that are restful. And so I love that idea of just using it as a day to point towards God Mm. and and to maybe slow the pace down a little bit. Didn't you tell me you give them Benadryl on Sundays? (laughs) Is that what you said? (laughs) Now uh, you're just trying to make it so I'm the one that gets the emails after. (laughs) (laughs) You're detracting from your sports comments. That's called skill by Jeff right there. That, yeah, that, that, that is a yeah, skill. Gosh, man, you've already. I, I mean, I do think that's also one of these because I remember early on when I became reformed, I was in a particular community and it was a very strongly Sabbatarian community. But it always struck me the women weren't getting a Sabbath. Mm. Uh, they were yeah. working like crazy. Yeah, it was mm. the it was the hardest day of the week. So I do think we've got to be very careful about this kind of thing. Yes, it really should be this more communal mm. kind of thing, and and it's not just individualistic. 
And so I just, at its base, I think the Sabbath is the breaking in of shalom for a day. Mm. You know, Lord's Supper is this kind of pinnacle where we get a taste of being reconnected with God, reconnected with our neighbor, and reconnected rightly with God's earth. Mm. And so activities and actions and dispositions that promote renewed communion with God, neighbor, and and even right relations with the earth, I think those are all Mm. what we should be about. Mm. This is great. Yeah, I love that you're using that language because that's... We use a phrase here that I may have told you about that's not unique to us by any means, mm. but we, we talk about kingdom flourishing. Mm-hmm. And as we talk about kingdom flourishing, we that's what we tease out. It's it's yeah. right relationship with God, with, with neighbor, with self. And in that yeah. self category, we it's creation. And, uh, but yeah. how that's what God's up to is he's bringing, uh, he's bringing peace into our realities mm. uh, as he's doing his rede- redemptive work in us. And, and just to, you know, tie the bow here in, in a sense is, Sabbath is a big, big piece of that, a big part of mm. that, and um, yeah, I think um, you know for our listeners, I don't want, I don't want them to be thinking, gosh, you know, we have baseball games on Sundays and we go to those, and I'm just a we terrible, love you, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just a terrible person, and right. Jeff hates me, and you know, none of that. It's just more, it's more. The invitation is more. Hey, are we thinking and considering this? Yeah. Are we? Are we taking this to the Lord? Are we discussing this with our spouse? Mm-hmm. Are we are we struggling with the reality of what should this look like for mm-hmm. us? And letting the Lord do what He's going to do in your conscience there, um, because yeah, it's to be a blessing. It's to be yeah. a, the Sabbath is a blessing to us, not a. Mm. It's not to bind us, right? Right. So. And we actually. And, and, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go. Well, I was just going to say, and you know, that's the problem with me making that kind of comment about uh, sports is provocative, potentially helpful, but also potentially hurtful. And that really isn't the goal. I do think there's there's a lot of creativity that can be thought of. And, and so I don't know, mm-hmm. but I am pushing just because it's not, it's super uncomfortable to push. Yeah. And so as an outsider, I can, I can say some of that. But it, I do think g- God delights for us to be reconnected with him, others mm-hmm. in the earth. And yeah. it's just... There's so much distraction in our world. We just, we need to fight for that. So yeah. no, I, I, I was actually, uh, I have a good friend I was thinking through this with just a few weeks mm. ago where they have a travel team that most of it is on Saturday, but there's a few mm. on Sunday and they prayed about it and decided to move forward. And the mm. thing that we were talking about was, um, it was really the value of the conversation they got to have with their child mm. where they said, okay, so we're letting you do this. But mm-hmm. the implication is that you're going to miss uh, something that the Bible says is, is for your good and, mm-hmm. and for God's glory. So what are things we're going to do on those Sundays um, to to not miss out on that thing, that, that good thing that God has in store? Mm-hmm. So it ended up yeah. being a really sweet mm-hmm. conversation. with yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. And so we after this, we get to have mm-hmm. a conversation. Our next guest is with our founding pastor uh, mm-hmm. and we get to talk to him about this very same thing. Mm-hmm. But Jeff, any last Words, questions? Yeah, well, gosh, yeah, I think I think one last thing I would say is this. Um, I talked to guys in my D group over the years and, and different guys in the church, and this is always one of the hardest conversations because mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of guilt that comes with this. And one of the things I try to share with them that hopefully takes some guilt away is to say, look, um, if, if you miss a Sunday, uh, you know, coming to church with your family right. once every 
three months because of a baseball game or some sporting. Right. right. You know, it's like, look, I, okay, that is what it is. And even right. maybe if it, even if it's a little more frequent than that, like right. let's talk about it. What we're really chasing after here, what God is really chasing after here is your heart yeah. and the heart of your kids such that they're getting the value and the understanding of the rhythm of yeah. rest, mm-hmm. yeah. the rhythm of rest individually in your home and the rhythm of rest corporately in the body. And, I, yeah. and that's what we're chasing after here. So are you, what are you doing as a dad? What are you doing as a husband? What are you doing as a man? And I'm speaking to the guys that I speak to, yeah. same for women, to establish that rhythm of rest. So No, that's so good. And it's interesting, like, who's the Sabbath for? Yeah. Mm. We actually start to feel like one of the reasons we feel guilty is it's like we're letting God down. Yeah. Here's the thing. God's fine. God's okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right? He's good. He knows what we need. Yep. He made us. And so whether it's travel, whatever, or my life, I mean, because I travel a lot on weekends doing different things in churches and stuff, and sometimes Sundays are the worst day for me, right? Yep. <laughs> They're just, yep. you know. Um, but I talk to travel parents, too, and it's like they're worn out, and it's Sunday night, and now they got to start a new week. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I do think, like I like how Lauren was saying, like this is not legalism, and it's also not like God is like fragile, and and mm-hmm. He needs us every Sunday for a hit, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. He just knows how He made us, and so we are impoverished mm-hmm. when we miss this out. And right, you can go without meals sometimes, but if yeah. you start to do it too much, it actually hurts you, and it starts yeah. to affect your physiology and some of these things. That's so good. that's a good. Maybe that it just helps to remember. So good. Yeah. Yeah. This is not. This is not God's insecurity or something. This is. He loves us, and mm-hmm. He wants what's good for us. Mm-hmm. Like you Man. said, Jeff, this is Amen. a good gift. Or yeah. Laura, whoever you know. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, so good. Kelly, thank you. Thanks for taking time. And thank and, you guys. Uh, Appreciate you. Thanks for what a blessing you have been to us and uh, so many through your, your teaching, your writings. And um, man, Laura, got any final comments? Well, I have about eight more questions, but I'll just have to, to reach out to you. Apart <laughs> <from the> podcast. <laughs> Laura will be giving you a call at some point. <laughs> I want some music about this, though. I want there some music go. about finitude. Go. Got Laura, it. Got I need it. a good I'm Sabbath hymn from Laura. No, I don't know about that. Yeah. Well, Kelly, bless you, brother. And thanks, uh, thanks for joining us. For the others who, for the listeners who have joined and, and maybe watched on YouTube, thanks for tuning in with us. Uh, Laura already mentioned it, but we'll be talking with Randy Pope in our next episode. So um, stick with us for that. It's going to be a great blessing, too.